right, let's pray again. Again, we come before you, Lord, to as we begin this uh, study. Lord, I just ask that you pour your spirit upon this place. May we learn more about you. May we just fall more in love with you and, and see you for who you truly are, Lord. Lord, we come before you right now and, and just ask that you speak to us, Lord, individually, Lord, and as a group, too, Lord, as a new church as well. Lord, do an amazing work here, and, and, and we ask that you bless everyone that's here, Lord, and my heart is also for every individual that's in this hotel right now, Lord. There might be a lot of them that are feeling lonely and upset and not know the direction they're going and going in life, Lord. I just ask that you speak to their hearts, Lord. And if it's your will, lead them down here, Lord, so that they may hear a message from you. Lord, we need you every single day, Lord. Meet us where, where we're at. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so like I mentioned, we have been going through the book of Mark. We started the book of Mark last week. Um, and if you guys haven't heard last week's message, I do have it up on the website. Um, and and there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of good stuff that that we covered. A couple of things we did cover, I just, as a way of review, we went into the book of Mark. Um, there's two characters that we looked into, actually, Mark. We looked, in, looked into Mark, the, the history of the gospel, um, who he was and why he wrote that gospel. The other character we looked at was um, a messenger preparing the way for the Messiah, which was John the Baptist. We looked, how, we looked at how John is an, ama an amazing example for us, how God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things in order to accomplish his will and purpose, and how his faith in the promises of God helped him to deal with his outward circumstances and God's timing of when he would um, see those promises fulfilled. We also saw how John kept doing what he had been called to do day after day, day in and day out, because of the faith and hope that was in him. You see, he was a man given a special mission. He was given uh, this special calling in his life, and he obediently followed that mission until it was accomplished. As Christians, God has given us a special mission, and he's given us a special calling. And as difficult as that mission can sometimes get, we must strive to ensure that that mission we've been given has been accomplished until we breathe our last breath here on earth. So that when we meet the Lord in heaven, we can hear those words we long to hear him say, well done, good and faithful slave. You were, a faithful, you were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Now this morning we're gonna be looking at, as we, we will begin to look in, we'll begin to look at Mark's narrative and how he transitioned into the, the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Specifically, we're going to be looking at Jesus' baptism, Jesus' temptation, and the start of uh, Jesus' preaching ministry. You might also notice how Mark, how this gospel quickly moves from one section to another, from one period to another. 
And this is, again, I covered it last week. This is what makes this gospel a little bit more unique, or more unique than Matthew, Luke, and John. Mark's aim, again, is to show you the amazing works that Jesus performed so that you will see that Jesus is, a, is truly the Messiah and the Son of God, again, who came to take away the sins of the world. So my hope is by the time we're done here this morning, you will, uh, you will see how perfectly God prepared Jesus for the beginning of what was to come for the next three and a half years. So let's pick up where we left off yes, last week in Mark chapter 1, verse 9. Mark chapter 1, verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized, by, was baptized in the Jordan by John. As soon as, as soon as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. I take delight in you. Now, there's a common misconception when we, by many people, regarding the moment Jesus arrived on the scene, when Jesus arrived to be baptized. People, there's this false assumption that when Jesus approached John, that it was evident to everyone that this was the chosen one. I know as a kid growing up in the Catholic Church, you hear all these stories, you see all these images of Jesus going to the river and there's a glowing light around him and even pictures in books of this, you know, Silky, straight hair, blue eyes. You know, someone that would obviously stand in the crowd. You know, that you can see someone that you can point to and say there's someone special about that, about that person. However, the Bible tells us something completely different. Centuries before Jesus was, was born, God gave Isaiah a description of what Jesus would look like. It says in the second part of Isaiah 53 too, he didn't have an, an impressive form or majesty that we should look to him, no appearance that we should desire him. What this tells us is that when Jesus appeared in the sin, on the scene, he looked like a regular Joe. He, would, he could have been someone without any remarkable physical features. Just another face in the crowd. He just was just another person. Not, again, nothing amazing. I, I don't... I don't see that he would look like any of those images in any of those books that we see. He just looked like just any old person. But he was special. We know that. He was the Son of God. So when he stood there, standing before John, waiting to get baptized, time didn't stand still. Time didn't, like, stop at that particular moment. I don't think anyone paid attention, really, what was going on. In my mind, I can imagine the guy standing behind him saying, oh man, I just want to get this, I just want to get baptized. I just, I'm looking forward to this. You know, he, there wasn't any, and we know that he came on, on just a regular day too. It wasn't any special holiday. It wasn't a special day. He just, Jesus just showed up. In fact, the, in the Gospels of Matthew and John, we're told that the only person who understood the magnitude of what was happening was the guy that was actually, that was baptizing him. And again, in those Gospels, you'll see there's some hesitation there. John is, John is having this conversation with Jesus. Actually, you should be baptizing me. You, I'm the one who needs to bow down and, 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 
and be baptized by you. And Jesus is like, no, you, you, this needs to be done. Prophecy needs to be fulfilled, and this needs to be done. You need to be baptized. You, you need to baptize me. So after some hesitation and some bantering back and forth about who should baptize who, John agrees. John agrees to baptize Jesus. Then as John is bringing Jesus out of that water, we see one of the wildest, strangest images from the Bible. We see Jesus being baptized. Now we're told in verse 10, as soon as Jesus came out of the water, he, Jesus, saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending to him like a, like a dove. Jesus, when he raised up out of the water, when he came up out of the water, he looked up and he saw the heavens being torn open. Now this wasn't just a figment of his imagination. This wasn't something that he just made up in his mind. He actually saw heaven being torn open. The same word here, torn, is the same word that's used um, when Jesus died on the cross. We hear the story of the veil at the temple being torn in two. It's the same exact word. So yeah, heaven was ripped open. Strangest, wildest image I know. And when the heavens were ripped open, you saw a dove descending straight to him. Now when he saw this, I really believe, again, it wasn't a figment of his imagination because this, again, when we, the word here saw is the same word that's used later on in verse 16 when Jesus saw his disciples, when his first disciples. In that verse it says, as he was passing along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother. Just like he saw Simon and Andrew, he saw the heavens ripped open, and a dove descending to him. And then also there was an articulable voice that came from heaven. And that voice said, You are my beloved son. I take delight in you. Now, I think this is the point where just everything stopped. Everyone just turned around and just was like, What is that? That's when it was just made known to everybody that was there that there's something different about him. Jesus, that, that guy, wow. He's, he's, there's something about him. Now, do you, as, as a father, those of, you, those of us here are fathers, do you remember that first time you saw your child born? I do. I remember like it was yesterday, all three of my children. I looked at my children and I was like, that's my son. That's my kid. That's my beautiful child. I love him and I just take so much delight in him. And I see this is the image, this is the picture that I see God doing here. Saying, looking at Jesus and saying, that's my son. That's my beautiful son. And I, I, I'm so proud of him. I, so, I love him so much. It was his, it was God again pointing at him, saying, that's, that's my son, that's my boy. And again, that moment for me was just one of the proudest moments of my life. 
Now some, so one of the questions that's commonly asked about this, about this particular incident or about this particular, the baptism, was if Jesus was sinless, why was he baptized by John's baptism of repentance? Jesus was baptized not because he needed repentance. He was baptized to submit, he was baptized to submit to do the will of God. He was baptized to identify with John's message. And he was baptized to identify or express his solidarity with the entire human race that he would eventually die for. Just like his crucifixion, he didn't have to be baptized. He didn't have to go on the cross to die for our sins, but he did it for us. He did it, he did it to identify with us, to have that solidarity with the human race. The other thing we see in these verses is that the Trinity is brought together into action. We see the Father audibly speaking, again saying, you are my beloved Son, I take delight in you. You also have the Son, Jesus Christ, coming up out of the water. And then you also see the Holy Spirit descending to him like a dove. The Trinity, all three at one place at one time. I mean, again, that, that, going back and thinking about trying to imagine myself, oh, what an image. What an image that would have been to hear, to see. And I really do believe that one day we will see this ourselves. We will see the heavens ripped open. And we'll, you know, we'll see Jesus coming down, coming to get us. And we will experience the full glory and majesty of God. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to it. I am so ready for it, and I'm looking forward to it. So as, it's at this point that it begins. It was at this point that the three-and-a-half-year ministry of Jesus began. So let's pick up in verse 12. Immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels began to serve him. Again, here, this is an example of, of how quickly James goes through uh, the message here, the gospel. Now, Mark doesn't give the full details of, the event, of, of this event. But turn, turn over to Matthew chapter 4. I want to read to you the account from his gospel, Matthew chapter 4. It's just the Matthew is just the gospel right before Mark. And I want to read what it says, the account of uh, Mark says, or Mark writes. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. But he answered, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands, so that, they, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus told him, It is written, Do not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. 
And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus told him, Go away, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and immediately the angels came and began to serve him. I want you to notice something interesting. The same Holy Spirit that, that descended on him like a dove was now driving Jesus into the wilderness. Now, this wasn't just a, a slight impression or just a suggestion for him to go out there or a persuasion to go out into the wilderness. This was a drive. And I don't know, if it, you know, but in your Christian experiences, if in your Christian experience, if the Holy Spirit has ever driven you to do something or to talk to somebody. But that feeling, that knowing that it's the Spirit of God, it's, it's pretty intense and it's, it's pretty clear. I know for a fact the Spirit has driven me, drove me to start this church. And as small as it is, I don't, again, I know and I want to stay faithful and I want to stay obedient to that. I really believe God's going to do an amazing thing here, an amazing work. People are going to get saved. The community's going to, we're going to be a bright light to the community here. But it was that, I, I felt that drive. And as difficult as it was to say goodbye to, to our former church and our home church and our friends there, I had to be obedient. And for yourselves as well, there's going to come a point where you're going to have to say, you know what, I need to be obedient to what God is calling me to do. And it's going to be difficult to say goodbye, to say, you know, to leave loved ones, friends, but we have to, you have to, I mean, I, I, it's one of those things where if you don't do this, if the Spirit isn't driving you to do this, it, it, feels, it feels like there's something missing, something wrong, something, it's, it's, you feel like you're not going in the right direction. Now, again, when Jesus was being driven, it wasn't a suggestion or a feeling of persuasion. It was a distinct drive. It was an unmistakable drive by the Holy Spirit to go into the wilderness. And it was there that for the next 40 days, Jesus didn't eat a single bite of food. Now imagine that, 40 days without eating. I mean, one hour, my stomach already starts rumbling. I mean, I'm just, I'm hearing it, you can hear it, I can feel it. I'm thinking about food, what's, what I'm going to eat next, burritos tacos, whatever, you know? I mean, thinking about yesterday's leftovers, the pasta and chicken was good. But anyways, yeah, after 40 days, throughout this actually the whole time, I'm sure he was hungry. He was, he was, he was feeling it. Now, this is the kind of hungry that where one is absolutely famished and absolutely craving food. This may have been the same feeling that Esau was feeling when he came in hungry, ended up, ended up selling his birthright because he was so famished and so hungry that he sold his birthright to Jacob. And it was at this point, after the 40th day, when, when Jesus was probably the most hungriest, 
that the devil decides to show up and tempt Jesus. Now, I do. I find it kind of hilarious that the devil will actually make an attempt to tempt Jesus. Because at this point, I really believe that Jesus was completely relying on the strength of God to get him through each and every single day that he was out there in the wilderness. I was reading Psalm 121, and I imagine these words being uttered by Jesus as he was out there in the wilderness. I really do believe that he knew the word of God. We know that him and God were just one, and that God completely understood, I mean, that Jesus completely understood God and understood his word. I do believe he really, as he was reading and studying the Psalms, it really spoke to him, especially out there in the desert. Now, in Psalm 121, it says, now imagine again Jesus saying these words as he's walking in the wilderness. I lift my eyes towards the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. To slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and going both now and forever. And that's just one psalm of many psalms. But again, I imagine Jesus just walking in the wilderness out there in the desert, reading this psalm, reading the other psalms, those psalms of loneliness, those psalms of, of when David, again, felt alone out in the desert, in the caves, hiding from his son, hiding from King Saul. But he knew where he got his strength. He knew where he got his joy. And he was relying on God's sustenance, God's source. God was his source of strength. So when the devil came, the devil thought, oh yeah, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get him. And this again points to, the devil has no idea who God really is. And, you know, he just goes out there and just tries to prod and poke and just try to, try to, make, try to make him stumble, try to make him fall. Now again, he hears the rumbling of Jesus' stomach and, and then goes in, tries to go in for the knockout punch with the same bag of tricks that he uses on us, the same bag of tricks that he used on Eve. Now, I want you to notice the similarities again between what he did with Eve in Genesis and what he's doing here to Jesus. In Genesis 3, 4, Satan distorted God's word to tell her that she wouldn't die if she ate from the fruit. In the wilderness, Satan tried to distort God's word to make Jesus throw himself over the highest point of the temple. In Genesis 3, 5, Satan's goal was to convince Eve to redirect her source of worship. In the wilderness, Satan attempted to do the same with Jesus when he told him that all the kingdom and all the splendor would be his if he just bent the knee to the devil. And finally, we see in Genesis 3.1 how Eve couldn't resist how delicious the fruit looked. It got to the point where Eve saw the fruit, the fruit 
I was like, it looks so good, so wonderful. I, I think I'm hungry, and I, I, I'm hearing what the devil's saying, and I just, I, I want that. And that temptation got the best of her, and we know what happened after that. In the wilderness, Satan tried to convince Jesus that the rocks they were standing on could be made into warm and delicious bread. I know it's a little bit of a stretch, but do you see how tempting that could have been? Do you see how, to the eyes of Jesus who, who was hungry, even the rocks could have been desirable to be made into, again, bread, sweet, delicious, warm bread? However, this, the devil didn't stand a chance, no matter how pretty he tried to repackage the temptation. He will. The devil will try to, different ways to repackage. He knows, I mean, the devil knows how to get us. The devil knows how, what to say, what to do to, to, to make us fall and to make us fall into those temptations. He did it with Eve. We see it time and time again how he, he did it with other characters in the Bible, how he's done it with our friends, families who have fallen. He did it with me during that time I fell away. And it was always the same bag of tricks, just repackaged. You see, Jesus may have been tempted, but it was impossible for him to sin, let alone sin against God. He absolutely knew his Father and his word. He absolutely, he absolutely knew who he was and what he came here to do. And not only that, but he had the Spirit of God in him to lead and guide him. God didn't send Jesus in the wilderness to see if he would pass a test. God knew his son, and he absolutely knew what his son was capable of. God sent his son into the wilderness to essentially tell all of us, check out my son. Check out what he's going to do. Look and see how he'll always come on top. Even when attacked by the devil, who took down Adam and Eve. He's, he's there, just... He's, I, I, again, I, I can imagine this God being like, watch, watch. Everybody in heaven, all the hosts in heaven, look, look what my son's going to do. I know him. I know him so well that I know that he's just going to come on top. But watch how he does it. He didn't, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't testing God. I mean, he wasn't testing Jesus out there saying, oh, it's hope he passes this test and I hope he makes it and and because if not man I'm gonna have to start over and no he was there just showing everybody how proud he is of his son and how again how he's gonna come on top you know I know my children I and I know that you know what they're capable of and what you know their weaknesses their strengths and I do sometimes I'm like I, I, I don't say anything, but I, I do. I'm like, I, I know my son. I know how he's going to react, and I know what he's going to do, and I'm just waiting. And, and sure enough, he does. He, they make me proud. And again, I see this is what's going, up, going on here in heaven. This is what the, the scene we see here. And again, this is what God desires to do with us. He wants to show us off to all the hosts in heaven and tell them, look, Look at my kid. Look at my son. Look at my daughter. 
Check out how he's going to come on top in the, in the messy situation he's in. All of us will find, we find ourselves in messy situations at one point or another. We will find ourselves there. But are you at a point where he can clearly say, yeah, hey, check him out. Check out what's going to happen here. He's going to come on top. I know that's what I desire. I just desire to make him proud. And that ought, again, that ought to be your desire as well, just to, to make your Father in heaven proud of what he's done in your life and what he's doing in your life. And God was so pleased with the way Jesus handled the whole situation that we see at the end of verse 13 an image of basically God hooking Jesus up. At the end of verse 13, we see that he's being served by the, by the angels. Angels began to serve him. Not only were the angels serving him, but he was just chilling there with the wild animals. I know I had, a, I, had I like to think of things in my, again, images in my head, and I, you know, those scenes of, those Disney scenes of all these animals being around Snow White and, you know, or whoever it may be. I, Jesus was there. He wasn't, he wasn't alone, you know. He, he had the animals there, and he was in the wilderness with these animals, and, and but the angels were serving him. And again, I can only imagine what they were, how they were serving him. He was, it was just, God was just hooking him up. You know, and I can't wait to find out in heaven, hey, what happened? What did he serve you? What, what did you guys eat? I'm sure it was the best tasting food he ever had. I want you to know that, you know, again, we will face temptations. We will face these trials from the devil. But if you want to know how to resist this, these temptations from the devil, follow Jesus' example. Know what the scriptures have to say when the devil does attack you. You see, it's, it's, it's not about the memorization. Because I know a lot of people that can memorize scripture like to the, to the T. They, they know so many scriptures, they have it memorized. But it's not well how well or how much you have scripture memorized. Because even we see that even the devil had scripture memorized. Whether it has, rather, it has everything to do with how much you truly understand that scripture that you have memorized. When you memorize, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, do you know what that truly means, or do you just have it memorized just because you have it memorized? Again, when the, the devil was tempting Jesus, we see one of the, Jesus saying, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He completely understood that scripture and, and it, it meant everything to him. So again, rather, it has more to do with how much you truly understand scripture. Now let's go back and, to, our, to our verse or passage here and read the last two verses. After John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee and was arrested. I'm sorry, let me start over. After John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee, preaching the good news of God. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. 
Repent and believe in the good news. Matthew 14, 3-4 tells us the circumstances regarding the arrest of Jesus, or arrest of John. I, I really suggest and urge you go, you go there and, and, and read it yourself and find and see what happened there. That's, that's another interesting story, another you know, lesson in and of itself. So it wasn't until this point, it wasn't until this happened that Jesus actually went out and started preaching the good news of God. Now what is this good news of God that he was preaching? I want, I want to point out three facts about the way Jesus, and I will, I'll get there, but I want to point out three facts about the way Jesus began his ministry. Jesus began his ministry alone. He went through the region of Galilee, of Galilee on his own, preaching a very simple message. It wasn't complicated. It wasn't, you know, it was just he went out and by himself preaching this message, preaching the good news, preaching repent and believe in the good news. The other thing I want you to notice is Jesus began his ministry by presenting himself as the fulfillment of every prophecy in the Old Testament of a coming Messiah. And that's why he says the time is the, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. So he was preaching, presenting himself as a fulfillment of, of those prophecies. And it was also the beginning of God's promise of a better and more glorious kingdom. He was saying, I'm here. The kingdom starts now. This is the beginning of the kingdom and 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 this is just the start. Wait till you see the end. And throughout, again, the New Testament, throughout, we, we see what happens there at the end and how everything culminates to just his amazing and glorious return. He's saying it's just, it's just the beginning. The other thing I want you to notice is that Jesus began his ministry of preaching. Preaching the repentance of sin and preaching the good news that what, what he, that he was that he was presenting about himself he was presenting himself as the good news jesus wanted those who were hearing this good news to know that it was solely about him i'm here repent and believe in the good news the time is fulfilled and that was his message. He was going to town to town in Galilee. This was the message he was giving. Jesus believed what he preached and exemplified how it ought to be done. Jesus was and will always be the good news. Now, yes, there will be times when God will, you will, God will call you out into the ministry and you're going to be all alone. Whether And, and we hear stories about this. For missionaries, just being called to go out to go out alone and and go out to these third world countries in the middle of nowhere, risking their life, risking their health, all for the glory of God, and they went out there all by themselves. Now, yeah, we we would love it if 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 there would be a group there to to support us and be there for us, but. You know, again, Jesus exemplified that if he can do it on his own, we can do it on, you can do it on your own. 
Again, we have a Savior. We have a God who knows what that's like, who knows what it's like to be alone. Not just in the wilderness, not just in a world where, where just everything's going mad, but also in ministry. He knows what that's like. Jesus went out, to, went out on his own to tell others about the good news. And God may one day call you to do the same thing. Or he, may, or he may already be calling you to do the same thing. And again, this is a source of comfort for me, for us, as we began this ministry here, as we began here. It was just us. And again, it's, it's okay. Because we know why we're doing it. And we know who's leading us, and we know who's guiding us. And we know that, he's, that God is just going to bring the right people here, and he's going to, and again, he's going to do an amazing work here amongst this new church. So like Jesus, when you are called, even by yourself, go out and do it. But do it with boldness. Do it with the knowledge of truth. And with the power of the Spirit that's in you, you have the Holy Spirit in you, giving you power, giving you strength. And all those times we say, no, 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 it's too scared and too worried and too, it's our flesh. It's our flesh getting in the way, our pride, getting in the way of saying, no, I, I can't talk to that person about Jesus. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what... I, there's no way I can start that new ministry because I don't have the resources. I don't have, you know, I don't know where to begin. But see, the Spirit living in you gives you that strength, gives you that power. We didn't know, like, beginning how to do any of this. But we trusted in Him. We just took it a step at a time. And He guided us, and, and we still don't know what's, what, what, what's to come. I don't know what's ahead, but I know that he's with us. And I want to continue to do with boldness, with the knowledge of truth, and with the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's what, you know, I, I read and studied these verses, and I, I, I do believe there's a message in there for you, and this is, it really spoke to me as well. It revealed to me that Jesus knows what it's like to begin a ministry alone. I can look to him as an example to remain faithful to what he's called me to do. And again, our main message here is to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and broken world. That should be the main message of any church that's out there. To simply preach Jesus to a lost and broken world. We all know people out there, even us. We've all been lost, we've all been broken, we've all been there and it's just a matter of preaching Jesus my hope and my desire again is that as we grow as we continue that we'll never lose focus of that that our minds and our hearts will always be the same message that Jesus gave in the beginning the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near repent and believe in the good news you individually as you go out there, if you go out and start ministries, if you're called to do 
ministry on your own. That's the message. Now, some of you, again, at this point, may be feeling like, yeah, God's calling you to start a ministry, do something, and, and be involved in something. But he may, and he may be speaking these very same words to you. In verse 15, Jesus is there, and he's saying, come, come to me. And when it comes to evangelizing, when it comes to talking to others about Christ, I mentioned it just a minute ago. That's, that's it. Just repent and believe in the good news. Who's that good news? It's Jesus Christ who came to, to die for the sins of the world. Once accepted, once you understand the condition of your heart, once you can understand who you are, you come to him surrendered and broken and he will deliver you. He will set you free. He will... He will cut those chains that have bound you down. And he will set you free. Very easy. I know, again, when, when it gets complicated is when our flesh gets in a way where our, when our own minds are just going out there and, and making excuses. But the message is simple, and that's the message he wants you to preach. Now again, I, I don't know where you're at in your life, what's going on in, in, in you. But yeah, just, he has a plan for you. He has a calling for you. You know, and once you begin following that, you'll see, you'll, you'll see him work in wondrous ways in your life. Now, after this point, and we'll be covering for the next few weeks, we see the works of Jesus, how he calls his first disciples. Um, we'll see some of the miracles he's done, he, he begins to do. But again, you see the power of Jesus and how God used them. And God, his ministry began. And, and, and again, I just encourage you just to, to see what God can do in your life as well. So let's close in prayer. Lord God, thank you again for this time of study, showing us your word, showing us who you are, Lord. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for just being that example for us. Even though you didn't have to be baptized, Lord, you did it, and you did it for us. Even though you didn't have to be crucified, Lord, you did, and you did it for us. Lord, thank you again, Jesus, for that, for that awesome just display of, of faithfulness you showed us in the desert, Lord. Rebuking the devil and saying no. I have a Father in Heaven, and He's the one I worship. Jesus, thank You for that example. Thank You for what You, what You did there. And again, thank You, Jesus, for that example You gave us when You started this ministry on Your own, Lord. 
you've been there, Lord. You've experienced it. You know exactly what we may be feeling, what we may be experiencing, Lord. So we look to you for comfort. We look to you for strength. We look to you as our ultimate and supreme example of how to go about doing these things, Lord. I pray that you just will remove our own fleshly desires, our own, and just the excuses that we make, Lord. I just pray you just remove them and just so that we can just focus on you. Lord, we want to go out there. We want to go out there and just preach the good news and just tell others about the love, the love of Christ, the repentance, the forgiveness. Lord, we want to do it all for you. Give us the strength that we need, Lord. If we've fallen, if we've missed the mark, if we're just going in a direction that, the opposite direction of what you have called us to do, Lord, I just, I ask for your forgiveness, Lord. And if that's you, just, just pray, Lord. I just have to ask him for forgiveness. Pray, Lord, I'm sorry. I want to come back to you. I want to come back to the to heart of worship. I want to come back to, to your arms and, 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 and the direction that you have called me to go in. I know I don't want to go in my own anymore, Lord. I don't want to go in the direction of my own power or my own strength, but I want to be filled with your spirit so that I can just follow you and go in a direction that the spirit is guiding me and leading me. I also want to be driven by the spirit. Lord, I accept you. I accept your forgiveness. And help me, Lord. Help me to follow you every single moment, every single day of my life, every single time I'm out there in the wilderness. Let me just rely on you for your sustenance and strength. Lord, fill us every single moment, Lord. Thank you again for being so good and so faithful to us, Lord, and even when we're not. Lord, I, we do. We look forward to the day where we just fall into your arms and say thank you. We love you and we praise you and we honor you, Lord. All glory and all majesty belong to you, Lord. Lord, bless this time. Bless this week, Lord. Be with us. And again, help us to be driven. Give us that drive, Lord, to go wherever it is that you want us to go. Bless this time of fellowship we're about to have, Lord. We honor and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.